Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 18 of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Wessling, and I am joined alongside my co-host, Brandon Ness, as we are here to preview Iowa State's uh, matchup with the Oklahoma Sooners this upcoming Saturday on November. November. Ooh, we're getting a little far there. October 29th. Um, to start it off, though, we usually do a short little recap of the previous game, but considering we were on bye last week, no real reason to bring up Texas or anything for that matter. So I thought to start it off, it is unfortunately a little bit of a sad note, um, but our guy, Brees Hall, unfortunately suffered a season-ending ACL injury after a really good start to the NFL season, and it sucks a lot to see him go down. Yeah, definitely. He was the front runner for Rookie of the Year on the offensive side of things, yeah. and his teammate, Sauce Gardner, was defensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive, he still so, will win it. Yeah. But. So a really tough blow for not only him, but for the New York Jets, who put themselves in a really p- good position going forward, and he was kind of the catalyst for that. Yeah, and I just want to start off, I want to give off his stats for the season. So he ran for 463 yards on 80 carries. That's an average of 5.8 yards per carry and four touchdowns. So to put you in some perspective of what he was doing, (laughs) Brandon's also a Bears fan, and Roquan Smith just got a pick, so he's pretty happy right now. Uh, His team's actually winning, unlike my Chargers, who get blown out of the Seahawks. But anyway, back to Brees. Um, Brees... Um, was eighth in the league in rushing yards. Now, I'm not sure if they already included his stats from yesterday. I'm going to assume yes. Again, we are recording this Monday night. Um, But if that is up to date, he was eighth in the league to this point in rushing yards, uh, 10th in yards per carry, and tied for seventh in touchdowns. And not only that, but he also had... Hold on, give me a sec trying to get the receiving yards because they used him pretty decently receiving yards yeah he had 19 receptions for 218 yards and a touchdown so he was a freaking beast um hopefully they give him rookie of the month for october at least hopefully kenneth walker doesn't steal that at the last minute he's had a really good couple weeks um but i i guess that'd be my last send-off for him just give him rookie of the month um because it sucks he definitely would have been rookie of the year yeah, definitely, and it's really unfortunate to see, especially with being a rookie in his first year in the NFL and having your season likely end by that is really unfortunate, and you don't wish for that to be on anybody. No. Uh, it also sucks even more to – we finally got a superstar in the league, right? And he goes down. But hopefully he gets a super strong uh, bounce back. Hopefully it's fast. We're all rooting for him. I know you guys are. We are. Um, and hopefully the ACL doesn't affect him too much in the future. But we'll get on to this week. We just I just thought we should mention Breeze. Um, but going to Iowa State's opponent for this weekend, the Oklahoma, the four and three Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, they are one and three in conference play, and this is potentially the last time they're ever going to come into Ames. Yeah, definitely, probably the last time. I don't see them sticking around through. I guess the next time they'd be here, which is twenty four, which is possible, but. I don't know if they make it that long. Uh, definitely want to send them off with a loss here, and it's a really big game since we're 0-4 in conference currently, so need to get on the right side of the record sheet here. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma's only winning conference play was against Kansas two weeks ago. They also had a bye the same week as us, um, and they beat Kansas 52-42. So that was their uh, – unfortunately, we got stuck with Texas after being 0-3. They got Kansas after being 0-3 and after losing 49 nothing to Texas. So they really were set up good 
to have that really pissed off game. Um, but to talk about their three losses, I already alluded to one of them. Uh, but they've all been honestly pretty ugly. The K-State game was close, sure, 41-34, but that final score doesn't represent how that game went. Uh, K-State honestly dominated the crap out of them. Yeah, they're just a very much an up-and-down team, kind of like Texas can be. They're very similar stylistically. I think they focus a lot of, on offense, which is kind of weird since they hired defense Wolves. Yep. But, you know, it it can take a lot, little while to get going on the defensive side of things. Uh I don't know. I, you've seen a couple very different teams of Oklahoma. Of course, they got beat 49 nothing by their biggest rival. Mm-hmm. And then they turn around and put up 52 against Kansas, which it is a Kansas defense, but at the same time, it's the same team that got shut out a week earlier. So you definitely don't know exactly what's coming for you on Saturday, but we think the switch kind of got flipped again in that Kansas game. No doubt. And even though they're... Um... I know it's different playing non-con, and Nebraska's not great, but even before Big 12 play, they ended off beating Nebraska on the road 49-14, so it was really weird to see him drop three in a row. Um, but the, their other games there on that losing streak included TCU, which was... Uh, it wasn't the worst one. Te- Texas definitely was, but they lost to TCU 55-24 on the road, and then as uh, we mentioned earlier, they lost 49-0 in uh, Dallas. Sorry. Um to Texas, so they definitely had a rough start, but they are one and three, which uh, we would be begging for that right now. Yeah, I mean that's truly correct. It's it's shocking the position we're in at this point. I, everybody going into this year was expecting a little bit of a rebuild, and now it's kind of the situation where we think we're a lot better than a three and four team. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you have to win games in the margins as coaches have been preaching for so long and it never really happens so yeah. hopefully this is a game I guarantee it'll be close every single game we play this no season is going to be close I can't see a game being more than 10 points ever this year I I completely agree and it's just finding a way to win it at the end and not letting special teams penalties officiating determine the outcome yeah definitely Um, But the Iowa State defense is going to have another hefty task this week as they're taking on one of the best offenses in the Big 12. Oklahoma's averaging 472 yards a game along with 34 points. Um, They're led by UCF transfer quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who's been really, really solid this year, uh, throwing for 1,618 yards and three touchdowns to just one pick. Another really good... I mean, he's been amazing, and the fact that you're putting up that those yardage numbers, the touchdowns, only one pick, can't ask a lot more from your quarterback. Yeah, really. I mean, 13 touchdowns, one pick over the whole season and missing a game, a and, game a half. and a half. Yeah. It's really impressive, especially bouncing up from a group of five team up to a team like Oklahoma who's mm-hmm. going in and out of the Big 12. Every single team can beat you any single week, so... It's really impressive what he's doing, and I think he's just kind of a guy that's carrying on the Oklahoma legacy at quarterback. Yeah, no doubt. He's also been pretty solid on the ground. He's got 163 yards and three touchdowns, um, so pretty good um, from that aspect as well. Um, but going on to their running backs, oh, I guess one thing I also want to throw on before we move on to the running backs, I don't know if they beat Texas but that game's definitely not 49 nothing if he played versus Texas. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I don't think they beat Texas, but 
they definitely put up points. I think the drop off from starter to backup at Oklahoma is very extreme, which is weird. It is weird because they always have talent. They have general booty and they can't do anything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, every year they should have a backup that's capable, but I think it's probably just inexperience, and you have that at both your starter and at backup with power five experience. So I think that's most of it, and of course with. Um, Lincoln Riley leaving this offseason everything got shaken up a little bit which is probably most of the reason why they're a little down this year but they're in a very similar position to us I think if they lost that game to Kansas last week Venables might not be there no I think that's very possible so he's still very much fighting for his job they have a lot of momentum going in and we need to find a way to win a game yeah no doubt Uh, but going on to the running back uh, the running back is Eric Gray uh, he's done, honestly, a pretty good job as a lead back this year. He was the number two to Kennedy Brooks, was mainly used more of a re- as a receiving back uh, and kind of a change of tempo, kind of the shift. He He's going to hit a hole, and then he'll go kind of back. Uh, but he was the second punch to Kennedy Brooks last year. Um, he transferred from Tennessee. Uh, but he's put up 695 yards and five touchdowns on the ground, and he's also got 105 yards through the air, so... He'll definitely be a threat in every aspect of the game. Uh, Watch out for him for sure. Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy that can attack you if you let it happen, but I don't expect our defense to allow too much. You look at a team like Texas, and he only got 59 yards on the ground, no touchdowns, so he's definitely capable of being stopped. It's not a B. John Robinson. No. So I don't expect to see that kind of an issue with the linebackers not being able to make a tackle. But he's definitely somebody that can hurt you if you let him get to that point. No doubt. Um, but honestly, well, okay, Oklahoma is obviously a school that's always going to have athletes. But to be completely honest, they really have just one main receiving threat, and that's receiver Marvin Mims. He has 32 catches for 542 yards and three touchdowns. He's been solid. He's been solid for now his third year now. Um but, like I said, to be honest, it's just really one guy running the show in terms of the receivers. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And he's the clear number one, but he's not a C.D. Lamb or Sterling Shepard like they've had in the past. Around. So, yeah. again, I think he's very – if you can contain him and make them throw their two and three guys, I think that's a very good recipe for a win. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but with that – you know, Dylan Gabriel's thrown for over 1,600 yards, so that just doesn't happen without, you know, I mean, it It doesn't, like, that, I mean, yes, Mims has 540 yards, but at the same time, if, if Gabriel's throwing for 1,600, he's not just throwing to one guy, but the main point I'm trying to say is he does spread the ball out a lot, um, so two other guys I would say that are the other main playmakers in this offense are tied in Braden Willis and receiver Theo Weiss. I felt like Iowa State did a really good job against Jatavion Sanders, who is Texas's tight end, who's been a maybe the best tight end in the Big 12 this year. Don't know for sure on that one, but he's definitely been up there in terms of receiving at least. Um, so I am not entirely worried about the tight end from them. Uh, but, again, Theo Weiss is just another athlete that's going to get open. Um, and if it's something like Phillip Brooks, right, where he gets an open space, he's got to miss one tackle, and you can kiss it goodbye. So uh, those are the other two guys I wanted to know in terms of their offense. Yeah, and I, I think the wide receiver core isn't 
necessarily what it used to be. No. I'm going to point out another receiver that just seems like a guy that's going to hurt us. <laughs> There's always some random dude that nobody ever heard of. In yeah. this case, you've heard of him, but he's not necessarily a great receiver. No, but he did take out Ashim Young in 2020. I'm still mad about so that. Well, there you go. I mean, he's the guy I'm looking for to go for 150 yards and three touchdowns against us. <laughs> of course. Uh, I don't blame you for that take, though. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to the defense, which it's been rough in year one for, as we noted, the def- the defensive-minded head coach Brent Venables. He was obviously the Clemson D.C. Uh, did not coach against Iowa State last year. He had already taken the Oklahoma job. Um, but he actually came to Ames. I don't know if it was 18 or 19, but he came to Ames along with some of the Clemson staff to study Haycox 335. I don't know if he runs that at Oklahoma, but I know he definitely – ran an iteration of that a little bit at Clemson after studying Haycock. Now, that's nothing new. A lot of teams have come to Ames to understand how this offense works or defense works. Yeah, I think us and Baylor were the first ones to really implement that completely in their defensive game plan, and obviously it came after the Texas game in 17 where Mm -hmm. nothing was really going right, and I think as much as we complain about it at times, it's very effective against the Big Big 12 style of offense. It's won us a handful of games or made games way closer than they should have been. So there's nothing we can complain about. Right. It's just a little frustrating in goal line situations. Or in total run situations, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we can never complain about the defense. There's been very minimal games. One of the only ones I can think of in recent years is West Virginia last year that they just let us down, honestly. But Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, really, when you're letting up 15 points a game as a defense, you can't complain too much. No, so. not at all. Um, but talking about the Oklahoma defense, we'll get on to Iowa State probably later, but, um, you know, they've, they're have they giving up 471 yards and 31 points a game. So, like I said, certainly lots of struggles. One of their big issues at this point has been blown coverages. The amount of times I've seen just gaping holes in the secondary and guys are just sitting open, they've they've made it easy. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the Oklahoma has a good offense, but it's hard to ask for this offense to, to continue to play keep up when I think TCU had multiple 60 plus yard touchdowns yeah. when they beat them. Duggan ran 165, they had a 70 yard bomb. Now, I say bomb, but Tay Barber was sitting with no one like 20 yards even close to him, right? So, I, in all honesty, that that's been a really big issue. And honestly, that's not good. If blown coverages is your main issue defensively, there's a lot else going wrong. That's more of mental stuff and people not understanding the scheme because Oklahoma's got the players. They have the athletes. So that's, you know, having all those blown coverages is a big red flag. That And I didn't get a chance to watch the Kansas game, but um, I'm sure that was probably a focal point on their bye week defensively this week. I mean, definitely they let up 40-plus against Kansas, so that's always going to be... A situation where that's going to be the main focus points and for Iowa State looking at their defense the biggest thing is just take what they're given to you because you know they're going to make mistakes yeah so it's it's a big game I don't think they're going to lose track of a guy like Hutch so it's no. see if a guy like Stanley can get loose on a broken coverage Noel or if Decker's got space take it he yeah. did a really good job against that in Texas um but a couple names to look out for defensively the two big ones are linebackers Danny Stutzman and David Aguebu, both having 62 tackles. Stutzman has one and a half sacks and three pass breakups, and then Aguebu has two sacks. 
Um, definitely their two main pieces defensively. But then and a couple other athletes I wanted to mention, they haven't really shown up on the stat sheet a whole lot, but defensive lineman Jalen Redmond, which don't want to send out a whole lot of PTSD, but he's the lineman that returned that weird fumble play that Purdy had last year. And then defensive back DJ Graham, um, don't know if some of you remember this highlight, but he had the insane one-handed pick against Nebraska last year. It just shows you the kind of athletes they have. I mean, to see a guy like Jalen Redmond outrunning all of Iowa State. Now, granted, a lot of your skilled position players were running routes or whatever, but at the end of the day, he still had the speed to really separate from the entire Iowa State team, and then you see the athleticism in DJ Graham. So Oklahoma has the athletes. We know that, but I just thought it'd be something to note. But, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Their defense is always going to have those pieces that can make plays, and for Deckers, it's just take what they're giving to you. Don't force anything. You need to look off of Hutch a little bit. As much as he's a safety blanket, if you force it into coverage, they have the speed, they have the athleticism to go up and get it. Yeah. Uh, quickly touching on injuries for us. Now, we usually record this on Tuesdays, but we have a little complication tomorrow, so we're not able. We don't, we're don't. we not sure if we're going to be able to have time to record it, so we decided to do it on Monday. But we usually do it on Tuesday. Main point for that, not only do we post on Wednesday, but we also get the opportunity to listen to the pressers from the players and Campbell and hear updates on injuries, stuff like that. So we, we don't entirely know what the word is on some guys. So um, we might tweet about this later in the week just to inform you guys. But honestly, just question marks on Jirel Brock, Cartavius Norton, Colby Reader. Those are your three names I would feel like at this point, the only ones we should really be thinking now. I'm sure there's guys that are banged up. We brought this up a couple times in previous episodes last week, but it could be a situation where we have a guy like Mike Rose last year who was hurt all season long, and we didn't know that. So there's probably guys who are banged up, and this has just been a week to get healthy. But the three main ones have been Jirel Brock, Cartavius Norton, and Colby Reader. Yeah, and I expect to see all three at some point in this game. I think Reader is the only one that's really a question mark because obviously we saw Brock and Norton against yeah. Texas. So Just more of a they haven't been 100% type deal. but Right, and if you get them to 100%, that's a complete game changer. You have two physical backs that you can rely on in the run game and in pass blocking. So that's going to be big. And then if Reader's in there, he can stop the run and you see a little bit of his absence being missed in that Texas game with Bijan running all over us. Yeah. Um, and then for Oklahoma, it's the first time it feels like we've ever really had a opposing one. Um, I'm just trusting this website that I've been on. I, I don't really know how accurate it is, but defensive back Billy Bowman, he's listed as questionable with a undisclosed injury. Not entirely sure what that means. But, I mean, it's undisclosed, but... To give you an update on him, it's not just a nobody. He is there, one, two, three, four. Fifth leading tackler as a defensive back with 34, and he's got four pass breakups, a forced fumble, and a recovery. So certainly seems like probably DB1 maybe, or just a good tackler. I'm not really sure. I haven't. It's not like past years where you know a lot of these guys in Oklahoma. It was transfer you this year. Yeah. Um, but it certainly seems like a guy to keep an eye out for if he's not there. Um, I would assume it sounds like he's a playmaker. Um, and then also running back Marcus Major is listed as questionable with an ankle injury. He splits carries a lot with Javante Barnes. They're more their physical. They're two physical backs. Uh, Major has 175 yards for four touchdowns on the season. So 
definitely a power guy that not having him, it won't impact them a whole lot, I don't think, considering how good our run game is, but just a note to look out for there. Yeah, definitely. It's not a game changer on either side, Iowa State or Oklahoma, injury-wise. But You could argue us if our running backs aren't healthy. If they're out there, that's not the reason you lose the game, though, no. even if they're not 100%. So at a certain point, you just have to find a way to win the game, and ultimately having a running back at 100% versus 75 shouldn't lead you into that. No, yeah, I agree. Um, but moving on to keys to victory, I'll start with my first one. And I feel like this has just been one that would need to be said the last couple weeks. Has been said, honestly, the last couple weeks. But Iowa State needs, I mean, I put an extreme emphasis, all caps, bold, on needs to run the ball effectively. No ifs, ands, or buts. This team has become one-dimensional. It is hurting the team a lot. They need to be able to run the ball if they want to win a football game in the Big 12. Yeah, and I had the same thing for my first one. It's just so critical on your offensive side of things to get the guys off the line of scrimmage a little bit, get people in space, and just make your offense a little more two-dimensional. It's really just critical so you get guys like Noel, Demetrius Stanley in space in the passing game. Everything just kind of builds off of each other, and when one thing's going wrong, it affects everything else. Yeah, I mean, you've said this more than me, but just the fact that everything builds off each other. Having a run game takes so much off Decker's shoulders. I mean, so much. I don't think you guys, I mean, some of you probably do, but some might not understand the impact having a running game will have. I mean, Brock never had to play hero ball almost ever. Because he always had Brees, or his freshman year he had David. He could always give it off or dump it off, and he knew that those two backs were going to make something special happen. And I'm not saying we need that level of play from a running back, but we need to be able to run the ball effectively, which hasn't been there. And again, if we want to win Saturday or any time the rest of the year, you're not going to be able to do that if you continue to put Deckers in situations where he's playing hero ball every single week. You're asking him to play mistake-free football, just perfect games every single week. And no offense, that's that's even a lot to ask of Bryce Young. I mean, you look what happened to him against Tennessee. You put him in hero ball too much. Even though Jameer Gibbs is a really good back, they decided not to run the ball, but they kept putting him in hero ball situations. I just think overall, you can't be putting a guy like Deckers in hero ball situation week in and week out because it's not going to win you games, and it's been proven that it won't win you games. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. It's just so much. And some of the run game needs to continue with him. That just adds another element of the offense, even in scramble situations or in some RPOs or anything like that. Read options, design runs. Right. So it's just another aspect of the game, and it gets those safeties off the line a little bit. Yeah. Um, But hopefully there's one back that can just step up. At this point, I don't care who it is. Someone just really needs to step up if we want to get a win but moving on to my second one i had limit explosive plays really similar to texas because this offense is really similar to texas in a sense of um they have the athletes to get behind you gabriel's got a good arm um you just you just got to limit that stuff really texas didn't have a whole lot of big stuff uh they did have a couple of shots that were overthrown or dropped so lucked out a little bit um, they had a couple deep crossers that went for 25, 30 yards a couple times. A couple? 
Yeah. <laughs> Probably five. Yeah. So those ones hurt. You definitely have to take those away because those were really the only sparks of their drives it felt like outside of Bijan in the second half. Um, so really the same thing goes for Oklahoma. Don't let a guy like Marvin Mims run a 30-yard deep crosser and really spark a drive um, or anyone for that matter. They have the athletes to get open. Um, the only thing the defense has lacked at, you could say, the entire season is that and maybe getting pressure on the quarterback. But um, I don't know how much pressure we can expect from this team. MJ stepped up a lot as of late, uh, but it's going to be hard for Will to get to the quarterback every week just because everyone designs around Will. Um, Yeah, overall, uh, just limiting explosive plays will help you win. Um, I think of K-State, right? They had two explosive plays. Luckily, one went to our side, but then they had the Phillip Brooks and you take away both of those, and they certainly don't win that game, um, even though that would have asked the defense to play perfect, and they honestly did anyway. But uh, just overall, the biggest issue of the defense, and it's, again, we're just nitpicking on the defense at this point in the year, uh, is just limit explosive plays. Yeah, and that's been kind of the case the entire year when you, your offense can't put up points consistently and your defense is solid for all but two plays every game. Yeah. It's, that's the easy thing to look to on the defensive side of things where you can't really nitpick too much. Yeah. My second one is just focusing on special teams. Please, no punt blocks. <laughs> I've seen enough of that for the next five years. Uh-huh. Um, kick returns, punt returns, you just make that a clean game. Hopefully you can rely on your defense and then offense provides a spark. You're at home, rely on the crowd a little bit, and hopefully you can come out of this game with a win. Yeah, I think you could also probably say not necessarily penalty free, but just really try to take away as much of the penalties as you can can help you a lot. Uh, just at the fact that, you know, we've seen a couple times this year where false starts have halted us or, you know, just stuff like that. If you can take getting, getting behind the sticks has killed this team, especially that knowing they've struggled offensively, um, taking that stuff away would be really, really big. Yeah. And that honestly plays into my third one, which it's funny because, well, first off, I didn't want to tell Brandon this right away because I think he'll still laugh, but he noted it earlier, which just made it better for me. But the third and final one, maybe Matt Campbell's favorite phrase, win in the margins. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of a joke at this point. No offense by any means to Campbell. I don't mean this no, in any joke. But it's certainly a joke. He said this every year he's been here, and we've certainly sucked in the margins um, I don't blame him for it being a focal point. You see a bunch of these teams, why they're winning, it's because they win in the margins. Uh, it's a very big reason to why, especially in this league, why teams are winning games is you win in the margins, whether that's penalties or turnovers or just stuff like that. Um, the team, just overall winning close games, that's winning in the margins. And when you have a team that I think, what's the record over the last, I think it's like 2-8 and eight over the last 10 in one-score games or something. Um, And outside of 2020, like 2019, 2021, and this year, they've been really bad in one-score games, just in a sense it's gone the other way for the most part. 2020 and then 2018, 2017 may have been Campbell's. He's kind of had three good years in terms of the good close games and three not-so-good ones. But I can't remember who brought this up, but... Uh, I was listening to a podcast or something, and they brought up that there's a lot of 
college football coaches that are honestly around 500 in one-score games. But overall, you have to win in the margins if you want to get to 1-4 and four in conference play. Yeah, and Iowa State's kind of a different team in that aspect. Other coaches are going to be 500 because they have the talent around them and they have players that are capable of beating teams by double digits. Iowa State isn't in that position, especially this year. I think it's really just going to come down to that when every single game you're playing in Big 12 play is going to come down to one score. You have to find a way to win in the margins and a couple of them, and we're looking for three of the next five. Uh, my third one is going to be to move the pocket on offense. We saw a little bit, little bit of that against Texas, and it was effective for the most part. I think it's really going to be big since our offensive line isn't holding up quite long enough, and yeah. Decker's pocket presence is shaky at best. Mm-hmm. So it's really just one of those things that you can get him out in space and buy a little more time. Yeah, and I certainly think, we, we alluded on this a couple episodes ago, but Texas game was probably Decker's best game of his career. Probably the entire point. team's best game. Yeah. Um, but overall, I it's definitely shaky is the right word. It's not anywhere near where it where we'd want it to be or what acceptance might be, acceptable might be. But, um, you know, sometimes he just doesn't feel the pressure or he feels it too late. So it was really good to see them try to take some of that away by moving him out of the pocket, especially when they moved him to the left and gave him his dominant side, which is more of a given. But the fact that they did it just made it that much better, right? Um, it, you can just see he's a little more comfortable when there's a couple times he had a, he had some plays where he had some time because they immediately rolled him out, right? So I think if you want to see more success out of him, you got to make him as comfortable as can be, which that also hits on what I said earlier, right? Running the ball effectively makes him more comfortable. So two biggest things to make Deckers comfortable, in all honesty, move the pocket and run the ball. That's the two biggest ways to take pressure off Deckers. Yeah, definitely, and that just really builds up in the entire offense. And over the four, course of four quarters, you're going to need every single aspect to be there against a team like Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, we'll move on to final predictions. Um, oh, br- yeah, okay. Is that Big 12 is that you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So Brandon brought this up. We wanted So we were listening to uh, Chris in Bloom's podcast, and uh, I was talking about how – it would be fun to do something like they do a pick the line yeah um and so i thought there'd be something we could figure out something kind of cool to do now we are a little late but we make our own rules we can start keeping records at this point but starting next year or for basketball we'll keep it even even closer for records for big 12 games but the point is we'll be picking big 12 games so do we just want to do one game at a time back and forth, or you want yeah, to Yeah, we'll off? do the three games other than ours, and then we'll finish off with our prediction, if that works. Yeah. You want to start off? Yeah, we'll start off with TC West Virginia. That's at 11 o'clock as well as our game is uh, at West Virginia, so that's going to create a little bit of a home environment there. I believe, yeah, TCU is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, about right, I would say. West yeah. Virginia is a team that's kind of hard, hard to predict at this point. I think it's a pretty easy prediction to say TCU wins this game fairly handily. I think no their offense is too much for West Virginia to handle. Yeah, I definitely agree. I just don't see, even though I'm still not a huge believer in TCU right now, um, they're seven and zero, so can't knock on them too much. Uh, but I definitely agree. I think they go in West Virginia and Morgantown get a dub, go to eight and zero. 
TCU is an interesting team because they're seven and zero, and they don't really have a super difficult game left on their schedule. No, they still have Texas, but I mean, other than that, Iowa State could, could be Baylor. playing spoiler to them in the last game of the year to get in the playoffs. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, next game is Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Kansas State is currently favored by one and a half at home. Big game. Oh, huge. Probably uh, the biggest game in the country. I think game day's at an uh, HBCU game, which is something. But, yeah. Um, I think for this game, I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I don't know the status of Adrian Martinez, and mm-hmm. that's enough for me to say otherwise after watching Will Howard and that offense under somebody different, especially in the style they run of a lot of read option, quarterback power, that side of things. I think Spencer, Spencer Sanders can get this thing done on the road. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I'm out of any team in the Big Twelve. I have nothing against Oklahoma State, so I always kind of root for them to do well. Um, I feel like I've been one of the biggest believers in Oklahoma State. I think that one to TCU just kind of slipped away from them. Sanders wasn't great in the second half of that game, but um, yeah, I definitely think Oklahoma State wins. I think even if Martinez is playing, I pick Okie State. It'd be a lot tougher, but I think it makes it a little bit of an Easier choice to say um, Okie State if Martinez isn't good to go. Yeah, that game is at 2.30 on Fox. So that's a little bit of a change from the rest of the Big 12 games. And the night slate is Baylor at Texas Tech. This one's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Maybe not on the top of everybody's list, but it's guaranteed to be be close in an in-state rivalry there. Texas Tech is at home and favored by three. I'm still on the Baylor train for some reason. I think after watching them in Ames, I'm still a big believer. They have an offense that's reliable and can put up points and doesn't necessarily rely on their quarterback too much. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll say I'm on the Baylor train, but I'm definitely not thinking this is a team that loses at Tech. Um, Tech's just weird. I still don't really know what to think of them. They had that win versus Texas. You can keep saying, well, yours didn't play. True. But yours has also been shaky. So, I don't know. But I, I just don't really know what to say of Tech right now. I think this game is also really crucial in both team seasons. Winner moving to 5-3, and three, other 4-4, four and four, and considering how hard it is to win in this league, um, this probably the, puts the winner in a really prime spot at winning a, or making it to a bowl game. Um, but I do think Baylor pulls it out. I just think... Shapin's the more experienced guy, and I'd, I'd go with him for. I'd go with Baylor for sure. Yeah, I completely agree, and that would move into our final predictions for our game and names this week. Yeah, so we'll start off with uniform as always. Um, I'm gonna go red, red, white. Part of me weirdly wants to see all red, but I don't know. I just don't think they like all red there. <laughs> so especially the they wore all all red in that 2018 game, even though Hakeem went off. Um, I don't know. I just think red, red, white seems like yes, but we'll see. I'm going to go all red here. I think it's the only time we're going to see it this season. Uh, maybe West Virginia. Maybe. I don't know. It's a, I could see a number of combinations here. I could see them going with some white and black combination as well. It's kind of hard to tell at this point. We usually hit on that superstition seems to play a factor. But it hasn't really worked this year. Right, I mean, so I don't know. I could go a number of different directions. I'm going to go all red just because we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. 
Um, as for the player of the game, this one potentially a shot out of left field, but I'm going to go with the Cartavius Norton breakout game. Um, someone needs to step up. I don't know if Jirel is still healthy. I will say the fact that, you know, he did get a week off from playing this week, right? But he's only been able to pass protect for two weeks now. Um, and you really think about it, it's not – he played one – he ran the ball one time versus Kansas and got hurt. So he basically hasn't played in three – by the time we get to Oklahoma, it would be over a month since he played, to be honest. Yeah. So I just don't know where he's at right now with that injury. Cartavius looked like he had a couple reps where it looked like he was really close, if not he, if not there yet. Um, and I just feel like at this point, and this is nothing against Dion, but if you want to run the ball effectively, Norton is 100% your guy going forward. If Brock comes back and it's a nice little one-two punch between those guys, cool. But I just I think Dion's a good change of pace, but he can't win you games, and we've seen that now. Kansas, Kansas State, Texas, and again, nothing against him. He's a fan favorite. My dad freaking loves Dion, but we need someone to step up, and I think this might be the West Virginia Brees Hall game. Maybe it's not a good defense. Um, we need the run game more than ever, so we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. It's either a he does go off, or he's going to get, I don't know, 10 carries for 25 yards. So, we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm going to go to the opposite side of the ball, and I'm going to say MJ Anderson. I think the pass rush is just crucial in this game with a guy like Gabriel back there. You can't give him time, and Will's going to be bottled up. So, I think a guy like him, not even getting sacks, just pressuring a little bit, yeah. forcing Gabriel into move. Yeah, making a move, forcing him into mistakes is going to be – huge in how this game is going to go because I don't like us getting into a track meet with Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I'd have to say, from what I think, MJ Anderson becoming one of your favorite guys on this team? You know, I think so, but then once Will leaves this year, how does that affect him? Yeah, it's true. It's We need somebody to step up at that opposite position here and hopefully get some guys some more reps leading into next year, especially since this season is kind of on the downturn. Yeah. Um, going for the final score, uh, I just think it's hard to pick us to win as much as I want to. I want to say we win. Uh, I can't have Brandon reel me into. Oh well, Campbell's not going to go zero and three. Oh, it's a night game and be a good environment. It's eleven o'clock. We're zero and four in conference play. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I twenty-seven twenty-four Oklahoma. It's going to be close. This game. Is gonna go either way. Would you isn't the line one Oklahoma or something like that? Yeah. Um I I just think I'll go Oklahoma for now, only the fact that it's hard to continue to pick Iowa State to win when they haven't necessarily given us a reason to predict the win. Even though they've been in games, at the end of the day, you have to finish games and they haven't done that yet. So um I'll go Sooners twenty seven twenty four, although like I said as I think every single Iowa State game this year will be, Iowa State's going to have a shot to win at some point or another throughout the game. I completely agree, and yeah, the line right now is a consensus Oklahoma by one and a half. Yet the percentage is weird? Wing percentage? Yeah. ESPN's matchup predictor is always a little different. They have Iowa State 62.2%. I think they just focus more on home field Yeah. than Vegas does, and Vegas has proven to be right, so... I'm going to lean on there. For my prediction, I have Oklahoma 35-27. 
I think it's probably going to turn into a track meet. I don't think either defense is going to be able to necessarily stop each other. I think Iowa State's defense is going to need to force pressure, and we haven't exactly proven to do that. Um, Gabriel's a little more consistent than a guy like um, yours is, so I can see him attacking us deep a little bit, and hopefully we can keep up with them. I don't think we will, and it's just one of those games where it might slip away with, from us late. Yeah. Um, overall, though, if the, if this wasn't already highlighted enough by the record, if you want to make a bowl game, this is really a must-win. It's not in the sense that you're going to have to win out or anything, but it puts you in a situation where you – well, to be honest, if you want to make a bowl game, you have to obviously win West Virginia and Tech because they're both at home against bottom half of the league teams. But it then puts you in a really tough situation where if you don't win this weekend, you either have to go to Stillwater or Fort Worth to... Two best teams in the conference. Yeah, so you don't want to be put in a situation where you're 5-6 and six going to Fort Worth playing for a bowl game. Now, again, we could play spoiler, sure, but I'd rather just go into that game 6-5 and five and feel all right with losing that one. I'd love to win, obviously, but um, if you want to make a bowl game, your first step is you got to win this weekend... And I want nothing more to send Oklahoma out with a loss. So hopefully they pull it off. It's definitely possible, as almost every Iowa State game has been this year. And I think, as I've noted, it will stay that way. But until Iowa State proves us wrong, unfortunately, i got to go with Oklahoma once again. Yeah, it's a really crucial game. When you're looking at you, when you go in three of the next five and three of them are at home, it's the easiest solution to say just win your home games. But we obviously haven't proven to do that against good competition so this is one of the things that can get us on the right track and hopefully it's a swing game type of things if we win this and we can keep some momentum going we have two home games in a row coming off a bye yeah it seems like a good time to get the swing going and if you win this one i certainly feel like you're gonna have a crap load of momentum going into your homecoming game against west virginia 230 kickoff turns into a night game late third quarter, fourth quarter, so maybe we get our first actual juicy wiggle and get the crowd going. I'm hoping so. I mean, it's been kind of a depressing home slate this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get a, you know, 11 o'clock versus Baylor. It just wasn't an overall great game. You finally get your night versus K-State, and it was just a dud all around. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah. Let's hope Iowa State's 4-4. Four and four. Um, Need a win desperately. Uh, as, as we've noted in the past couple episodes, just hope to make a bowl game. That's all you should ask for. Um, and they're going to continue to fight for it. It's a young team. I don't want to keep using that crutch. I've said this. But hopefully the talent has reached experience and they turn it around. But big test on Saturday. Hopefully they can they can pull it out. Absolutely. And if football doesn't go your way, 13 days, <laughs> 21 hours, 25 minutes, 42 seconds until basketball. At the um, time we're recording this. Does anyone know if Brandon's excited for basketball or not? I'm just curious for anyone asking. Hey, we're 0-4 in football. <laughs> not looking great, and basketball's coming off a of sweet 16. Sue me. Yeah, fair enough. Well, with that being said, guys, if you don't already follow us on Twitter, make sure you guys go ahead and check us out. It's at Side of the Storm. Um, we let you know anytime an episode is available, along with a bunch of additional content, whether that's thoughts, being depressed over Brees Hall tearing his ACL, um and just everything and above (laughs) so uh make sure to go ahead and check us out guys we'd really appreciate that other than that any last words from you brandon before we close it off uh go blue beat sparty (laughs) all right then uh until next time you guys roll clones baby